0: Welcome to The Green Room, a podcast where you can hang backstage with musicians, actors, comedians, and many more from around the globe. Presented by the Handshake Agency, powered by Yamaha Headphones, I'm your host, Tiana Speeter, and this is actually the second Green Room episode for the week. Earlier this week, I got to share with you all an insanely fun chat I had with none other than Mr. Tom Morello, guitar wizard, and just all-round awesome human. If you didn't catch the episode, Tom's brand new solo slash collaboration central album, The Atlas Underground Fire, is out today, following up from his previous 2018 release, The Atlas Underground. And while the fact that it's a Tom Morello album alone makes it an already insanely prolific release, Tom has amassed an eye-watering array of collaborations for this album, from some familiar friends to entirely unexpected bands, some of whom he found randomly during the pandemic. And from taking cues from Kanye West and embracing voice memos and the like, this album is a solidified showing of unity and badass tunes at a time when, quite frankly, I think that's all what we just need a little bit more of. So give that album a spin today if you haven't already, and definitely go give that episode a listen, whether you're a Rage Against the Machine fan or other, or just a fan of great stories, Tom Morello certainly does not disappoint. And now I keep having good luck with guest segues at the moment on The Green Room. Last time it was a link between She Had and Tom Morello, and today it's a link from Tom Morello over to Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Frank Carter, of course, frontman of Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, teamed up with Tom Morello for the track Tyrant Lizard King on the album End of Suffering that released back in 2019. And fast forward two years later to the fourth studio album for Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. The deliciously raucous Sticky is officially out today, And similar to Morello's new album that also dropped today, there's a bunch of amazing collaborators on Sticky as well, including Joe from Idols, Bobby from Primal Scream, and many, many more that are seriously exciting and a little unexpected as well. Frank Carter for The Uninitiated is an absolute beast in a live setting, from forming hardcore punk's gallows back in the mid-2000s to his current setting with The Rattlesnakes. Embracing the feverish unrest and the unknowns of 2020 and life in a pandemic, Sticky certainly offers a sonic smorgasbord for new and old Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes fans alike. And to chat all about it, as well as the state of empowerment in the heavier music realms and so much more, here's Frank Carter himself. Thank you first and foremost, Frank. It's an honour to have you on The Green Room with me today. How is everything in your world at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's really, really good. It's... um. I mean, as good as it can be. You know, we're still in the tail end of a pandemic here. Um, I think it's finally getting, like, some semblance of coming back to life properly. But um, for me personally, I think I'm in a pretty good place. Just enjoying my summer with my daughter. It's been good.
0: I love that. I'm... We're coming out of winter in Australia. I'm not a winter person. I would probably not do well over in the UK in real winter. So I'm secretly excited for that. And I know it's been an odd year for a lot of us. I know in the UK for you guys, you've had a bit of a weird time as much as we have here and, you know, potentially being open, but potentially not. But regardless of all the circumstances, something we can all get collectively excited about is the impending release of the fourth Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes album, the writer Sticky is ready to be unleashed into the world. How does it feel to finally be at this point with the album?
1: Um, it's been it's been a whole uh, spectrum of emotions. You know, we've been there've been times when we've been really overwhelmed. There've been times where we've just been so ready for it that like it's been more exciting than any record we've ever put out, and. For us, I think now I'm just I just want people to hear it because we obviously you go into a campaign and you're really really selective about about what um, what singles are coming out, but it's the tracks that make up the whole record that are the, that are the most special for me. You know, so I'm just man, to I am like champing at a bit to get out and play this stuff. We we wrote that album that we that we needed. That me and Dino needed, you know. So it is just energy. It's just pure energy, the whole thing, front to back. And um, yeah. I think we're just desperate to get out and play it now. That's that's the that's the main <laughs> the main emotion is just like put us on the road. We just want to play.
0: Yeah, it's interesting with you guys. I mean, obviously every band wants to tour their album and all that, but your band in particular and this album. Like it really is begging to be heard live. I mean, so many of these tracks, like they're so fun to listen to, but there's only so many times I can like, you know, run around and nearly run into my coffee table in the living room on my own before it gets a little bit sad. So it's definitely needing to happen in a live setting. So I don't get my neighbors worried about me anytime soon, but it also hasn't been all that long since End of Suffering was released. I mean, it was only just over two years ago, which kind of feels like two decades ago at the moment, but. Obviously, with that album, you were able to jump on the road to support with a tour and the best laid plans were hit in those early stages, which is obviously really not something we want to dwell on. But pandemic aside, how much of Sticky was already in the works by the time you were forced into this limbo last year? Did you have a lot of these ideas already in the works or did it purely stem from the coronavirus times?
1: We had, um, no, we had nothing. We we, we literally went, we went into the studio, I think, I think one week after our last gig, which was Alexandria, we sold out Alexandria Palace. We did this big tour in the UK, sold out all the shows, and we immediately went and um, went and hid away in this cabin and started writing. And we had, I think, four or five ideas of songs came from that session. Um, And then within a week, within two weeks after that, we were locked down and 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 so we we were just like booking as many kind of holidays to cabins as we could, thinking i' uh, we'll get we'll let us get right you know um and that's the thing about the record is like everything about this sort of this pandemic has has made us like unsociable, you know. And the album is is a sociable album. Like that's 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 the whole point of it. It's like it's it's about it's about socializing. It's about being with your friends. It's about being with your family, your loved ones, or enemies even. You know, it's it's about it's about just being in the mix and having the space to like bark at someone or grab them and give them a hug. You know, it's supposed to be like you said. You know, like you can't. You can listen to it on your own, but like like everything in life, it's more. This album is more fun with other people. Um, so it's supposed it's an album that's supposed to be shared, and um, the nice thing about that, obviously, is is you know the ba- the band the way we write. It's Dean and I. We lock ourselves up and we go away, and and even that in itself, even though it's just two people, that is still like the the, the social element of that is us coming together and supporting each other in a way where we can't do alone you know um mm. so we took that we took the very spirit of all the foxes that i see outside my flat at night mm. just playing fighting fucking scrapping you know just 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 mobbing about like they own the place and we put all of that energy into these wrongs throughout a lockdown <laughs> many lockdowns so um yeah, it's it's your pre-drinks and your after-party. That's why that's that's for me. It's like it's the records you put on to get ready to go out, and it's the first record you put on when you come back when you're still when you're properly steaming and you're ready for it. <laughs> I mean, like that's that to me is is what this album should be. So yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's like a, you know covers every single aspect of being with people. But I guess what I found interesting, like with a track like my town you kind of really nailed the feverish angst of lockdown and all the uncertainty. And I know like, even though obviously it wasn't ideal circumstances, it did give you the chance to collaborate with Joe from Idols. How did all that happen? Like, I do believe you're quite a big Idols fan. Is that how that came to be? Or did you guys always plan to kind of come together and collaborate?
1: We, we've always wanted to collaborate at like, I love that band. Um, with, with this, it's like, we, we finished writing my town and, Dean was just like, man, we you know, this is good, but this is a moment for someone. He's like, Who could you who can we hear on this that is just gonna push it over the edge? And the minute you said push it over the edge, I thought we we literally need someone unhinged just to like come and actually push it over the edge. And and it's like you know, you want that song to feel like not only aggressive, but like you're outnumbered. And um you know, Joe's the only other person I know who's like. You just put him in a room, and you feel outnumbered. Do you know what I mean? He's like Joe ain't like one. Joe's like fifty people. Joe, Joe's yeah. like he's like a one man army, and um, and I feel like that sometimes. So I thought out oh, of two of us, that's like we're we gonna crush everyone. Let's do it. So much fun. Oh. It was it was, so, you know, because I love that band. I fucking love that band, and uh, so yeah, you get him in the studio, and just like he, he and he turned up, and he was like, "Do you want me to write some stuff? Do you want me to?" And I said, "Well, I've got these lyrics. Give him a read." And he read them, and he was like, oh, "Fucking, like I would have written these. Let's do it." And he, and he just then he just got in, and he just smashed it, and that was that was a really nice moment as well, just to be like, you know, lyrics are an important, personal thing, and mm. so for him to come in and be like, "Yeah, these are cool," I was like. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank God. Jimmy. Thank God. I love, I love
0: it. Me. It's all the armies coming together in like such beautiful chaos in like every sense of the word. And that was definitely one that the neighbors saw me having a little bit of a go at in the living room. So yeah. I'm a one I was also a one-man army I'm in my own way. <laughs> and I know it wasn't the only collaboration on the album. I mean, you've got a pretty bonkers who's who going on throughout Sticky. Um, you've got like obviously a fellow tongue-in-cheek artist with links and a whole bunch more. And you yourself are no stranger to a collaboration or two at this stage of your career is it invigorating to team up with these different artists and inject them into the rattlesnake psyche like how does that feel for you after you've been at this for quite a long time now
1: yeah it was it was so important it was like it needed to happen and obviously like one of the few collaborations that we've done in the past was with tom morello and tom's an amazing musician but he lets his guitar do the talking you know and while that was nice for us I think for me, we wanted this to be like, again, going back to the social element of the record, it was so important for it in places to sound like a cacophony and not just have me fucking barking at you for, for 30 minutes, do you know what I mean? Like it was so important to get That's my neighbour is drilling, oh my God, It was all getting involved this morning. Um, it was so important for it to be like to to chop chop up like that level of attack and like how it was coming in because it just when the minute you do that and you have other vocalists, like you never lose anyone's attention at all and that that to me was like so so integral and it was important to go, you know, with Joe you you look at it and it's like a lot of people they like idols and they like rattlesnakes and they 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 can make sense of that. So once we had that in the bag, it was like, okay, now let's have fun. Do you know what I mean? Like now we got like one hard hitting, solid like that was kind of for us. And then it was like, okay, I wonder if we can get Cassie. You know, Cassie's like, Cassie yeah, is just her voice is outrageous. She's like, she's like Britain's answer to Miley Cyrus. You know, she's she's just insane. And I think we caught her at a moment where she's about to be like a global pop rock superstar, you know? So I feel really blessed that I, I, I was like, she's my old mate, you know what I mean? I was like, Cass, do you want to do this record? She's like, oh my God, love to. And I was like, fucking love, I was like, sweet, dream. Like, and, then, um, and then with Lynx, Lynx is like, I just, I just love Lynx. Me and Dean like love Lynx. We love their music. We just, we just love their vibe. We love what they're about. So we got them to do one song, and it was, what they wrote was so good that we literally would like, do you want to do another one? And he, and Link's just like, are you kidding? Like, what are you, d-? like, he's like, he thought, I genuinely thought I was joking. He was like, you, you, come on, man. Like, and I was like, no, no, seriously, like, you smashed it. We got this other single that we really want to push. Like, he got on that and it was banging. Um... And then outside of that, Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream, who's like, come on, the guy's a fucking living legend. Like, he's he's he's, a, he's an icon to me and to Dean, you know? And I met him at an art exhibition, like, years ago. My friend, my friend Jake Chapman had an art exhibition, and I, and I met Bobby there. And I remember saying to him, like, look, I would love to work with you. I'd love to do something with you. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm too busy. And I was like cool like i was just just, he was just like he was just no bullshit like like yeah that'd be nice but no kid do you know what i mean and and put me in my place and i was like fuck all right cool and um and he was like but you know like in the future maybe like and he was just so cool about it that i just he he just shut it down but didn't make me feel bad about it which i i love him for forever and then and then and then we wrote this song and i just you know And I just thought, I've got got to ping it to him. And I just had this urge to send it. So I sent it to him and he just loved it. And honestly, Tiana, I've never had a day like that in the studio. The guy is fucking dripping cool. He's just effortlessly cool. Walks in the studio, just listens to the songs. He's like, I'm not really sure this is for me. (laughs) So I'm like already like, oh my God, he invited Bobby Gillespie down and he didn't like the song. And I was like, "Oh, we've got this other one. We played that, and we played it to him." And he's like, "Okay, I'll give it a go." And he, and he's like, "It oh. he gets in there," and he's like muttering away over the over the thing, and he's like, "I need some paper and a pen." So I just frantically like scoop up anything and give it to him, and he's like, um, "And he just writes this stuff," and he just wrote half the song, like on the spot, and it's like the lyrics are brilliant, and then. And then he basically just was like he came in, he listened twice. He's like, Yeah, I like it, cool. You you guys like it? And we're like, Yeah, it's like incredible. You're gonna finish our album. Yeah. He's like, Oh, that's cool, that's really cool. Alright, cool guys, yeah, see you later. And he was just like kind of just floated in and floated out of the studio and like in the middle of it, just left this absolute like pure rock and roll, like the specter of rock and roll just stayed there and did this thing. And um and then he and then he left, and I and I was like, I just went in and like scooped up all his lyrics, and I was like, I was like, I took them home. I was like, they're coming with me. Like, I'm I'm gonna frame them, and put them on my wall. And, um, I
0: loved.
1: Yeah, but then I've got them. And I picked them up, and, and it's someone else's record contract that he's just flipped over and, start, <laughs> and like just and just written lyrics all over the back, which I thought, how perfect is that? You've just taken some someone's fucking someone's record deal. And you've just and you've just used that paper for what it actually should be for, which is to write some fucking lyrics to finish this song. So yeah, they're framed now.
0: That's outrageously poetic. Like I yeah. love that. Like from start to finish, the fact if you could go back and tell yourself like where you would end up after that first meeting and like putting it to him, like that's a full circle of awesome. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> I love that. Coming up after this short break, Frank Carter explores what a Rattlesnake album means with the backdrop of 2021, what songs sum up the new album Sticky Best, and the importance now more than ever for continuing to advocate for safe spaces at live shows. That and more after this.
1: Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency Podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows.
0: I guess like on the album too, like aside from all the incredible collaborations and obviously the amazing music you yourself have brought to it, not to, you know, sideline you by any means. But Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes are no strangers to quote unquote difficult subjects mixed Mm. along with what I like to call gap punk um, that fits everywhere and nowhere simultaneously Um, with regards to your music and Sticky in particular. What do you hope people take from listening to a Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes album in 2021 aside from some amazing indie punk rock, everything beautiful chaos?
1: Um I hope it, I just hope it gives them the, the 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 courage and the power to ask themselves the questions that are important. You know, I think I think a lot of the time we coast about and we live in the in the in the in the confines of everybody else's problems, like society, our family, our friends, our lovers, whatever. Um I hope our records like do for other people what, what other really important records do for me, which is they I put them on and they give me and they give me power and give me strength to like you know, sometimes I I can put a record on and I'll listen, really listen, to the lyrics, and and then I'll just be bawling. I'll just be bawling my eyes out, and then I know what I need to do because I because I know all along, but I just can't. I'm just lying to myself about it, you know. So I hope that this record is, is, and I hope that all of our records are like they're just they're they're intended to be positive energy, you know. Like there's a lot there's a lot of like. You know, my legacy, there's a lot of hate tangled up in my legacy, like, you know, trying to understand it, you know, hate for self or hate for like you know, the government or society or whatever. Um, it's really important to dismantle that and understand that my intentions were good all, all along and they, they, all, they only ever have been, you know, like it's important to rally against the things that you don't like in your life. But if you're not if you're not going to rally against that with a positive intention and with a positive plan to do good with with the energy from that, um, then ultimately we're just as bad as the systems that press us. So, um, I think for me, like well, all I want is for people to put this record on and get lost in it, and then and then come out feeling better than they did when they went in, and that that's ultimately like if people can do that, then. Then this record is is everything I intended it to be. It's supposed to be therapy, but it's also supposed to be like a banging pre-drink soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's like that. that's the important because you know, we made a lot of records now. And uh, and the one thing we we never really did was focused on the fun. You know? And for me, like, it's like now's the time to like we need, we need to, like, start enjoying ourselves. We're running out of time, I think, all of us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So, like, fuck, we yeah. better enjoy it while we
0: got it. So, yeah. 100%. Like, And I think I, it sounds like I'm just saying this because I'm talking to you, but you have achieved that. Like, yeah. I've definitely had moments of just, like, shaky times and not knowing what the hell I'm doing and then feeling angry at myself for, Feeling how I did, and every time I listen to this album or any song, like I do get that result from it, and it's kind of it's an incredible snapshot of just so many emotive things and just some awesome badass times. And on that topic, I know you had mentioned like we all would love to have this live. Like God knows, I would sell my fictional firstborn child to have you come to Australia and play this album live, but. Sadly that may not be the case, but when you can play this album live, is there a song you haven't busted out yet that you just absolutely can't wait to christen on stage? Yeah,
1: Rat Race. Rat Race is just is the Rat Race is the song that sums up the record for me. Like it's got all of the influences in it from like Sam 69 to Madness, you know, right through to like even a more chaotic punk energy of bands like fucked up. That 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 to me is like that's one of the defining songs from the re- from the record for me. But just because I get to I get to just get up there and really fucking spit about like life and living and um you know when I wrote that song like the D- Dino was that was the one that shifted it for Dean as well. He was like okay we've got an we've got an album now we've got focus you know and and everything else kind of came. That was the glue. Everything came came around that. Um, so yeah, that's. The, I think that's the song that me and him are both like. We are ready to play. I don't know why. I don't, you know, it's it maybe maybe a change next week. Call me next week. My pizza, <laughs> yeah. but but, but I, I I certainly I've been jamming it in the car, and it's just like every time that comes on, I just think about. I just think about those gnarly saxophones up front, and like how, like I want, I want that on stage. I want like a, I just need to find like a group of saxophonists that are just ready to like absolutely shred their fucking equipment, you know? Like let's do it. So,
0: well, honestly, there's nothing like a sax. Like I think I was at a gig once. It was like a post rock gig. There were no vocals. And we're a little bit, you know, had a few too many beers to be fair, but all of a sudden these sax, like they just had brought out all these saxophonists on stage. And we're just like, what is this? Like it was the best moment of my life. So like, please, please make that happen one day. Thank you. (laughs) Now I had a particular favorite and it kind of links in. I have to tell my mom to mute this section, but um, go get a tattoo is one of my favorites, but partially because I've also been looking to get a new tattoo. Um, (laughs) So I had to put that as a side note, but. Obviously, amongst other things that you guys are putting out there, like apart from instigating me getting another bit of ink on my skin, you guys have also like really embraced some incredible things in what you do for the music industry in general. And I always loved the boisterous side of rock. But what really was the tipping point for me was how you guys made heavy music inclusive for people like fans like myself. And seeing like those scenes at Reading Festival all those years ago where you made that girls only mosh pit still blows my mind. Do you feel like that tide is turning? As someone who would witness that sort of environment way more than I would in a live setting, like, do people still need reminding that a rock show can and should be a safe space in 2021?
1: Yeah, let's 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 make no mistake. A rock show is not a safe space right now. Uh, no safe is a safe space for you right now. And I think that's like, and I'm I'm really sorry to say that out now, but it's like. I think this pandemic has 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 set us back uh, quite far. I think I think violence is in the air, like towards everyone, but particularly like there's a lot of movements that are gaining steam right now that are, that just need to be dismantled from the inside. And we will continue doing that when we get these live shows back. But every day at the minute feels like a bit of a lifetime for me. So I'm I'm um, I'm hopeful for the future. Absolutely. And certainly at our shows, um, it's given that like the minute I talk about it, it just, it, it springs into action and it just happens around us. And people are fairly respectful. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to think that like our shows are pretty like, high up on the list of safe spaces where you can go and have a good time and not be judged no matter who you are um, and know that there's a family there who might all be strangers, but will will treat you with respect you know, sometimes in ways where your family wouldn't even, you know, um, but we're a long way off from it being fixed. But when I, you know, when I started this whole thing, it's because I realised that I was a good, a good decade and a half late, you know, I, I, I really was. I'd started this like way, way later than I fucking should have. So now I'm, I'm in like a I'm in a decade-long plan of 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 trying to make change and I think realistically these kind of things that are, that are, that are so heavily affected by social constructs we can only measure them over the course of decades and I, and, I, and I think it would be really beneficial for people to start looking at it like that and not and not fit because a decade is a fucking long time and you can and you can look at it. And feel like you're not gaining ground, or you can just keep saying to yourself, like, it's not a safe space yet, and we keep working towards it. And every step on the way of that is better. But the reason why I say it's with so much conviction that is that there are no safe spaces right now is because it's because of this pandemic. It has reset us. It's, it's put us back. You know, and um, every every year like lost now it's probably like three or four years lost. So. I would say that i'm um, in a better we're definitely in a better position than we were four years ago, in the sense that everybody knows it's on the fucking table now and I'm not going to take it off until we until everyone's sat and they all respect it and we, and we do you know what I mean we're talking about the thing um we've got a lot more awareness and we've got a lot more people engaged ready to do good on both sides on all sides um but yeah, it's, it's like my, it's like basically my sole mission is to try and like fucking like understand how I can, how I can help, how I can do, how I can make that a better place, um, and hope that like the energy that we put into that show, like it radiates and resonates in people's lives, and when they leave there, they walk away feeling like a stronger person, you know, like if, if, to take that energy into their life where they need it the most. So um, mm. yeah, we're long, we're a long, long way from it. I think at the minute, unfortunately. Well, it's interesting.
0: (laughs) No, it answers it. And I think it's interesting you say you feel like you're a decade too late, but I feel like it's never too late to start. And the fact that we're getting another album gifted is already an amazing step in so many ways and for everything you stand for. So I feel like even the smallest efforts and the smallest steps are such a huge step forward. So like it sounds so corny, but I have so much thanks to pass on to you for what you do and yeah it's it's an incredible thing and aside from that it just kicks us. like your music is just incredible so like there's a beautiful split to it and you have the best of all the world so I feel like you've come at the right time and you come at the right place and you know 2021 may, ne- may not be the year we all thought it would be but thank Christ we have a Frank Carter and the rattlesnakes album in 2021. <laughs>
1: yeah. You have no idea like you and me both I'm like <laughs> 2021 was not the year for me but no we've got we've got sticky out of it and I thought that's been that's the whole it. point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I won't keep you all morning, even though I know it's morning. I have to keep reminding myself of that as the sun keeps creeping, and I look more like a vampire as the sun goes away. But to close us out today, given I have dragged you on the Green Room podcast and in the hopes that we can have you come on tour and play all these shows and christen and this beautiful album live in action more and more, what is one essential item that Frank Carter needs backstage at a show? in his green room.
1: Oh God. What essential item. You know, years ago, it was like video games. There was like, I would just lock in and play video games like right up until a, y- a year ago. It was probably alcohol. Like I'd come off and I'd have like a, like a big old glass of vodka on the rocks and just like really like start to wind down. Um, <laughs> Throughout my life though, the most important thing to have in your dressing room when you walk off stage, and this is integral, and if you're not doing this, you're fucking it up. The most important thing is friends. You gotta come off stage and you've got to have friends waiting for you. And if you don't have if you don't have friends they're waiting for you to like not even to tell you that you they just need to listen. They just need to they just need to feel your vibe. And need to be ready to do whatever you need to fucking do. That's once you've got friends in your dressing room, you've got everything in your dressing room. You don't need anything else. So, yeah.
0: It's beautiful, full circle of the social element for the new album. So huge congratulations on Sticky. Thank you so much for gifting it to us. And thank you for joining me today, Frank. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Cool. Nice to meet you.
0: Speaking to Frank Carter on the other side of the world, his day was just getting started and mine was just wrapping up when we recorded this, but we did meet in the middle and I am so grateful to be able to share some of the stories from this amazing individual. The brand new Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes album Sticky is alive and kicking in the world as of today. Whether you need to let out some frustrations or you just want to get pumped up and have an epic time, Sticky has you covered and it's yet another amazing addition to the Rattlesnakes repertoire. It's literally little wonder why fellow album collaborator Lynx has declared Carter as the most exciting person in music right now. This album kind of cements that, so definitely give it a whirl and see what you think. If you missed out on The Green Room chat earlier this week with Tom Morello, or you just want to grab a listen to some other previous chats or even discover a few new podcasts, all episodes of The Green Room and a few other shows are available over at thepodcast.com.au, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places you get podcasts from you know the drill you can also grab a watch of green room episodes including today's chat with frank carter over on youtube as well they're all living on the podcast channel that's podcast plural or just type in the green room with tiana Spita, and you shall find what you seek as always if you're feeling the green room vibe and you want to share some love likes subscribes follows well wishes all that good stuff it's always welcome And maybe tell a mate and get them listening too. Sharing is caring. And if you're not forcing podcasts on your friends in 2021, are you guys even real friends? Probably, but it's also nice to share podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope whatever you get up to for the rest of your day is amazing. And I can't wait to hang out with you again next time on The Green Room.
1: Tiana Spita is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson, providing research, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig True.